You can be seated. You can be seated. Open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1. I want to thank you all for praying for me and the men that have gone down to Mecklenburg County to the, to the prison ministry the last couple of nights. And uh, it's been an experience that is very positive. On Friday night, Roger shared, and everybody was very attentive. We had 35 to 40 guys in a room that it filled up the room. I mean, there's a, you're filled up. I mean, so anyway, but, but Roger shared. Everybody was very attentive, and, and then we, we, we gave a message and an invitation, and one person responded to, to receive Christ as his personal Savior, which is just a tremendous encouragement as, as we're there. And so that was the first night. He sat in the very back corner. Last night, he sat on the front seat in the corner. I, I thought, that's pretty unique, all right? And so last night, Brother Bill shared his testimony, and they all were very attentive to when Bill shared. And, 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 and Jicka led the singing on Friday night, and, and, and it's tough, wasn't it, brother? It was tough. I mean, they love to sing, but I've never heard Count Your Blessings like that one. And I, and I thought... I thought, we need to quit this one. But anyway, that's all right. That's all right. And, and, and so last night, Malcolm outdid Jika. He led to singing. And it was just, a, they love to sing. And, and they have the, the 1975 Baptist hymnal. We got there and, I, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to sing. And I opened up the one I had and it had like six familiar hymns. I said, Jika, just lead these. And so he starts opening them up. He said, these hymns ain't in here. They've tore those pages out, I guess. That's why they weren't there. I don't know if they smoked them or what they did with them. But anyway, they were not in the book. So, so we just give favorite hymns. And they picked out the hymns and we sang. Malcolm led it last night. And uh, Bill shared. And, and, and it went so well Friday night. The devil didn't want it to go well last night. Because at least he said at least one guy in there who wanted to talk the whole time. And he was so distracting to me. And I had this message, I was, try, I, I was trying to help them. I'm not trying just to sit there and say, oh, look what we did, get notches in our belt. I was trying to help these men with some understanding of the truth of God's word. And this guy talked and talked. And David said he thought like called him down, but he thought it wasn't the best spot to call somebody out. And I agree with him. And it, so Billy was ready to hit the button if we got in trouble for them to come and rescue us. But none of that happened. And I thought, I'm going to preach that message last night. I've never preached that message before. I'm going to preach it today. And it went so bad, I said, Lord, I'll never preach that message again. <laughs> we had four men saved last night. And, and, and so it's like, you know, and so I'm on my way home. And, and I'm sitting there waiting. And it's like the Lord said, why did you not think the devil's going to show up to stop what I want to do? But in spite of him showing up, I still work. And, and we go back tonight. And so pray for tonight. When I went in the other day, I went there on Friday during the morning, and, and I met the chaplain. We talked, got some things squared. He said, now you can go back into cell block D later, which is a uh, release program we could go into, and we could go back into the women's part later. So, so we've got two more opportunities to go in there, share the gospel of Christ, encourage these folks in their walk of faith to meet Jesus Christ as a Savior. Now, now somebody said, why do you do it in... Is it Muhlenberg or Mecklenburg? Mecklenburg's Tennessee. All right, Muhlenburg. I said, that's where God opened the door. See, I didn't go looking for this. If I was going to go looking for it, I'd have gone here in Hopkins County because it's a lot closer, right? But I was asked if, if I knew of a pastor that would be able to go visit an inmate. And I said, I'll go. And so I went. And then I thanked the chaplain. I said, anything else we could do? And he said, yeah. And so here, that's how it happened. I asked a question. 
So see, see, that's how you've got to understand life. When you are engaging life with people, ask them questions to discern where God is working. And, and, and pretty quick, you're going to realize God's not working there. I don't need to be trying to mess with that. Or, or you're going to see a door starts to crack and it starts to open. So you just walk through that door he opens at that moment. I simply ask a question and he said, yes, we could have an evangelistic rally here. That's all it was, a question. And so he's allowed us as a church in there three nights, three nights. And we've seen five people respond to faith in Christ. Now, now, what I shared with them last night was how you have lasting change. Because I don't know if you're aware of it, there's a whole lot of people go to meetings and they cry and they do something and you don't see them in three weeks, four weeks, right? They don't stick with it. So, did they change? No. Because the Bible says when you get born again, he said, I will change you. I will take and I will change you from the inside out. You are not turning over a new leaf. You are not making up your mind to try and do better. God says, I will change you. It says in Romans 8, 29, I am to conform you to the image of my son, Jesus Christ. That's his work. But you've got to be, you know, you've got to be saved. So if someone were to ask you, are you a Christian? You don't have to answer out loud. What would you say? And if you say yes, and they say, why are you a Christian? Then what would you say? Why are you a Christian? Why do you say, oh, because I don't want to be a Muslim. Is that it? Because we live in America. It's a Christian nation. Is that what you would say? Because, Because I said a prayer. I said the sinner's prayer. That's not the right answer. You understand that? See, see, we act like the sinner's prayer as we just jumped over the line because we said a word. I, 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 I'm a Christian because I shook the preacher's hand. <laughs> I'm a Christian because I got baptized. None of those make you a Christian. I go to church. I must be a Christian. You stand in the garage, that don't make you a car, does it? See, see why are you a Christian? You tell me that you are a Christian. What does that mean? Because you see, if you don't understand what it means, then you've got a problem at the heart of your spiritual life. Because what God says is, he says, when you are my child, you are a Christian. That means you are Christ-like. Look what it says in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 11. He came into his own, he's talking about Jesus, and his own received him not. Jesus came to the Jewish people and they did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, see, you find here in this one verse, there's three ways that you do not become a child of God. Three ways that are stand out pretty clearly there in verse 13, how you do not become a child of God. Because there's only one way that a person becomes a Christian, becomes a child of God. But you see three ways that you do not become a child of God. And the first thing you see is this, it is not by 
blood. Now, now you say, hey, my mama was a Christian, therefore I'm a Christian. No, my daddy was a Christian, therefore I'm a Christian. No, you do not inherit it by their blood. You might get their looks, you might get their disposition, you might get their appetite, you might get all kinds of stuff from mommy and daddy, but you do not get their faith. You do not get their born-againedness because it only comes by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God has no grandchildren. Now, we love our grandbabies, but God don't have any grandbabies. It's all first generation, just father to the child, mother to the child. You do not become a Christian just because your daddy was a preacher or your granddaddy was a preacher. It does not happen that way. The Bible tells us you must be born again. And yet we've got countless people who live all over the United States of America who think because they are seemingly religious that they must be Christian. And you'll hear people tell you, if you say, how long have you been a Christian? They'll say, all my life. I hope that's not your statement. Because you've not been a Christian all your life. And if you think you have been a Christian all your life, you've missed something in the process. Because, you see, I was born a sinner just like you. I was born in my sin just like you. I was not a Christian. I was not a believer all my life. I was raised in church. The first place my mom and dad took me was to the church house, to the house of God. And they took me there all my life. I went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. The activities that took place, we went to those. I was taken there. But that did not make me a Christian. I knew Jesus loved me as a child. I could stand and I could say that to you. I could sing Jesus loved me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But that did not make me a Christian. See, I knew it that he loved me. But I knew it up here. But it wasn't real here. And that's where some people are, maybe even here today. You know it up here in your head, but it's not real in your heart. And the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, believe in your heart. Thou shalt be saved. You see, and see, it's so easy for us to take a child, for us to tell somebody, do you believe this? And they will parrot and say, yes, because they believe in Jesus, just like you and I believe in Abraham Lincoln, that he was a historical figure, that he did live, that he did die on Calvary. We believe it all in our head, but we haven't had the Holy Ghost of God stir inside our spirit, letting us realize I am lost, I am hellbound, I am undeserving, I am a sinner separated from God. See, see, so it's not by my mama being saved that one is a Christian or my daddy being saved that one is a Christian you personally have to be born again and you cannot be religious enough to be born again on your own now now look what it says it says nor in verse 13 nor of the will of the flesh you know what that means that means you cannot make up your mind that you decide one day I'm going to be a Christian that's not how it happens that's the will of your flesh a good friend of mine, he passed away a few years ago. His daddy is lost as far as I still know. But, but his daddy, he said, Mark, he said, my dad was sitting at a bar one day and he decided he'd become a Christian. And he said, I'm a Christian now. And he still sat there at the bar doing what he was doing at the bar. 
And so if you ask him, are you a born-again Christian? He said, yeah. And so when that happened, I decided I was going to be a Christian. That's not how it works. It is not a will of your flesh where you just decide, well, I want to be a Christian. I'm not going to be a Muslim. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm not going to be a Buddhist. It is not a will of your flesh where you just decide and make up your mind one day that I want to do this. You see, see, if, if, if I were born in England, England has a, is it hereditary monarchy? They have a king and they have a queen and they have the prince and everybody gets all excited about what the prince of England, the prince, whatever they are. And I think, what's the big deal? These people need Jesus is what I think, all right? But, but anyway, I'm about getting off. But, but see, see, why do we get so caught up in lost people's lives and get impressed with that? You ever ask yourself that if you're a born-again child of God? Why does lost people impress us? Because if they do, we got a problem. Oh, I, I just like the pomp and the circumstance, whatever that is. Never mind. Listen to me, listen to me. See, I could say, I'm going to be royalty. And I could start saying, I'm going to sign my name Royal Highness. And, and I'm going to buy me some good clothes and big robes. And, and, and I'm going to change my name legally down at the law office. And I'm going to be royalty. Yeah. Yeah, how's that working for me? It's not. See, why is it not working? Because the bloodline is not in me. And to be born again, there's a bloodline, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that's got to be inside of you. Because the blood of Jesus Christ was given to cleanse you of sin. It was shed to wash your sins away. It was given that you might walk in the very righteousness of holy God. Put it on the very garment of Christ, the garment of righteousness. You see, see... You cannot will yourself and determine that, that I'm just going to be a Christian. You can set high standards, and I believe in high standards, but you're never going to keep that standard of perfection that God calls for. It's only met in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's only as you will respond to what Jesus did on Calvary that you can know what it means to be born again, to be changed, to be a new creature, to be his child, to be Christian. Why did Jesus die? He died for your sin and he died for my sin. Now I was reading something yesterday. I shared it with Shar. She didn't get near as excited about it as I did, but that's normal, all right? Because here's what I said, Lord Shar, listen to this. I said this guy talked about when Jesus died. He died as the expiation for my sin. It not that exciting? And when he died as the expiation for my sin, he died as the propitiation also. And what God looks at is the propitiation, and what I look at is the expiation. Man, why aren't you as excited as me? I understand. Expiation is what Jesus did for me when he shed his blood. It's about what he did for me. That's good news to me. But the propitiation is when God looks at Jesus Christ's bloodshed, his anger, his wrath was satisfied. That's what it did for God. We tend to get caught up in the expiation, what's in it for me. And we fail to realize God did this for his own glory. He by the propitiation of the death of Jesus on the cross. See, 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 we've got this mindset of all of life. What's in it for me? And we miss so much of life because it's not about me. It's about holy God. But you cannot will yourself just to be a Christian. 
You have to be born again. You have to know the new birth of Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? No, it's not the physical birth. It's the new birth where God does a work in your life. It's not religion. There's religion everywhere. It's a relationship with Christ. So, so, so it is not by human will. Look what it says in the last part. And nor by the will of man. See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, there's no one who understands. There is none who seek after God. From the humblest preacher to the preacher in the mega churches, it, what he's trying to tell us here is this: no man is so closely in touch to God that that makes him a Christian. It's not by my will, by my ability. A man might pray for you. A man might baptize you. A man might take you through confirmation or whatever. A man might present you for church membership. But none of that makes you a Christian. You only become a Christian, a child of God, born again. When you meet Jesus Christ personally and you know him inside your heart, inside your soul, and he does a work of grace in your life, and that work of grace works itself out in your life day in, day out, moment by moment, as you yield to him... It's the old song that we sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's only one way that a person can become born again, that a person can be saved, that a person becomes a child of God, that you have a right to call yourself Christian. It's when you've been washed in the blood of Christ and you've been made new. That's it. So why isn't it by saying the prayer? Because if your faith is simply in saying a prayer, your faith is in the wrong thing. Your faith is not in that you said the prayer. Your faith is in the person whom you prayed to. There's a world of difference. You understand? Your faith is in Jesus Christ with whom you prayed. It's not in the prayer and so many people say, well, I said the prayer. But where was your faith? The prayer doesn't save you. It's the person of Christ who, who saves you as you have responded to him. And so, 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 so salvation is not the work of man. Salvation is a divine work. It's a something that the Holy Spirit of God does in a sinner's life. And so there's one way for salvation. Look what it says in verse 11. He came into his own and his own received him not. Some folks will not receive Jesus. Why? I don't know. That's the stupidest thing I've ever thought about, right? Why would you not respond to Christ? Why would you not give your life to Christ? But Jesus said he came into his own and his own received him not. And then it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, it's not turning over a new leaf. It's not saying, I'm going to do better tomorrow. It's not saying, well, you know, from this day forward, we're, we're going to try a little bit harder. No, it's you meeting Jesus Christ in a very real and personal lead, way. It's as many as receive him. How do you receive something? If I were to give a gift, someone gave me a gift this morning. They put it in their hand. They said, here. I took it. See, until I took it, it wasn't mine, right? 
So how do you receive this gift? How do you receive Christ? Well, well, the first thing is this. God brings conviction of sin and lostness to your life. If you don't understand you're a sinner, you're not near ready to get saved. Now, the last two nights, we've had no problem these guys understanding they're sinners. I asked God, I said, you all understand you're a sinner? Oh, yeah, they didn't have any problem understanding that. But you understand that Jesus died for my sin just like he did their sin. And my sin separated me from God just like their sin separates them from God. So, so you have to understand you are a sinner. And guys, hear me. That's a tough thing when you've been raised in church all your life as a kid and you grow up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So all you know is Jesus loves me. All you know is Jesus loves me. And all of a sudden there comes this point of an age of accountability in your life as a young person. I don't know what that age is. It may vary from person to person. But I guarantee you by 12 years old, everybody's been there. But they understand he loves me, but I'm a sinner. And I don't really know him. And I've never been born again. You understand it takes the Spirit of God to show that to somebody? That they're lost? That's why we can present the plan of salvation to somebody and they just look at you like you got three heads. Because the Spirit of God's got to open up blinded eyes to see. And what makes practical common sense to us as we read through the Scripture, it's just right over their head. But you have to understand the convicting power of God. You have to understand that you are a sinner. And and when you understand you're a sinner, you're going to go through this process where you think, well, I'm going to try to be better. You ever do that? I'm going to try to get a little better. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to, I'm going to to join a church. I'm going to do good things. But, but guys, hear me, there's this conviction of sin where you realize losses, you realize you are undone. And, and, and what happens at some point in your life as you are understanding the convicting power of God in your life, you will lean in and respond to Jesus. Or you turn and walk away. Now, does the convicting power of God come in your life sometimes stronger points than others? Well, for me, it did. For me, sitting in church was a pretty miserable experience. Because for some reason, it intensified the conviction of the Spirit of God in my heart. Because we were singing about Christ. We were hearing preaching about Christ, what Jesus did. And I'm a lost man, a young boy, or sitting back there, knowing I'm lost since I was eight years old. And I feel like I'm going to be exploding. I feel like everybody's staring at me. It, it just intensified. And I just couldn't wait to get away from that. And let me tell you something, when I did get saved, and later God called me to preach when I was 14 years old, then the convicting stirring was even greater in my heart because I didn't want to do what God was telling me to do. And the last place I wanted to go to was be around God's people because the conviction intensified. Does that make sense to anybody? See, see, but that's how he works. Thank God for convicting power. Because apart from the convicting power of God giving us understanding, we don't know how to respond to God. We do not know what to do before God. And so, so it starts when God brings conviction to your heart. It says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will answer the door, will open the door, I will come in and I will eat with him. I will fellowship with him. 
And see, that's what happened. God starts knocking on your heart's door. And, and you may be sitting here this morning, and you might be saying, Preacher, I, you know, I've made a response at this age, or I did that or the other. But, but right now, my heart is being squeezed, and I can't hardly stand it right now. And I just wish you'd be quiet, and I could go to the house. But, but, but I just don't realize what's going on. And God is convicting your spirit right now. It's not me. You know, I can't convict nobody. You say, well, you sure try. Well, maybe I do. But I have not in my ability or, or, or my flesh to convict. And so if something is said from these lips and it crisps in your heart, it's not the preacher speaking to you. That's God speaking to you. And you know what he's saying? Get something right. Get it right. Get saved. Get forgiven. But get it right. He says, as many as received him, he gave them power to be the sons of men, even to them that believe on his name. Now, this is what I tried to preach last night to these guys. Romans chapter 6. Classic chapter. Strong chapter. But Romans chapter 6 teaches you how to have lasting change based on what the Scripture says. In Romans chapter 6, if you look over there in verse Three of chapter 6, it says, know ye. In verse 6, it says, know this. In verse 9, it says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead. See, see, the first thing of understanding how to be saved as the Spirit of God brings conviction to your heart, to your life, you're going to know something. You're going to have an understanding that comes inside of you. You are going to have a mental awareness in your mind. That's where it all starts. Where God, he illuminates, he quickens your mind. And you know something. But knowing is not enough by itself. And that's where people miss it. They think, well, I know that Jesus is the Son of God. And I know that he died on the cross. And I know he's coming back. I know he did it for me. So I must be saved. Not so quickly. That's only one part. You know something and God uses his word to reveal to you truth that you have an understanding of who Jesus is and he also uses his word so you can understand what sin is and you understand how far short you have fallen from the very glory of God you have to have an understanding in your mind is that making sense and then secondly it says in verse 11 reckon ye also that word reckon reckon we get our word reconcile. That's a banking term where you reconcile the books. But when you reckon something or so, it's beyond knowing. It moves from your mind to where there is a conviction in your heart. You, you understand? That's when you start reckoning something. It's not just a fact I know in my head. Now it's a conviction in my heart. Without Jesus, I have no hope. Without Jesus, I'm going to die in my sin. Without Jesus, I'll go to eternal damnation. Without Jesus, I, oh, I have no hope. You start reckoning. There's a conviction because what happens is you have this conviction. And what you have conviction about, you get passionate about. Now, some of y'all got more conviction about... Kentucky Wildcats than you do Jesus, I'm sorry to say, but, you know, because the passion. I don't know why lately, though, but anyway, that's another story. But listen to me. You reckon. It moves from a mental understanding to a higher level of reckoning where 
I have a passion. I have a conviction in my soul. But that's not enough by itself. See, you can know it in your head. And you can be emotional about it. But that doesn't make it last. And that's the problem. We got people who do not seem to last. And I shared with the guys last night. When we went to our former church, we were introduced to a little boy. He's five years old. Five years old. Right now he's in State Penn in western Tennessee. Got a 15-year sentence. He's in church all his growing up years. He, he, He professed with his lips the Lord Jesus Christ. He's cried at the altar multiple times. He's been in and out of the county multiple times. He's already done three years in a state pen. Now he's got another 15-year sentence. Church kid. See, it's got to go beyond your mind and your emotions. Or it doesn't last. And this is what I'm trying to get across to these guys last night and I'm trying to get across today. Guys, it's not, it's not just not in your head. It's not just enough to have your heart stirred a little bit and you cry. There is an act of will. And look what it says again. If you're going down, look what it says in verse 13. Neither yield. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield. Look what it says in verse 19, the middle of it. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. See, it takes three things to, to know Christ in faith and to continue forth in faith. All three of them. It takes you knowing something, the gospel truth has been presented. It takes that Spirit of God stirring it in you and you giving thought to it and it brings conviction in your heart where you say, yes, I need to embrace this. And then there comes a decisive act of will where you say, yes, I will obey. I will follow God. And in that moment, what he does supernaturally because of the faith you are expressing through these three things, he saves you. Hallelujah. Now you say, preacher, I don't remember all those three happening. I don't either when I stand, but they did. I'm just giving you understanding now as an adult of what has to transpire. It's not enough just to be emotionally stirred. Man, I've, I've never been to an Amway meeting, but I've heard you can be really stirred up at them. One of my best friends, missionary in Haiti, Bill, I hope one day you get to meet him. Solid man of God. He got saved at an Amway meeting. First time he ever heard the gospel was at an Amway meeting. And he gave his heart to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And he's never been the same. From a drug head to a hellion, he's never been the same. See, see, it's more than just knowing something in your head. It's more than just having emotional stirring. There has to be this an act of will. Now, when we get out of here, you're going to get in your car. You get on 69, Penny Rock, whatever you want to call it to confuse me. And you're going to start driving. And you're going to do 70 miles an hour. At least. Or we might be pushing 80. They'll let us go at 78, won't they? <laughs> yeah, tell them that one right now. They told me I could do 78 and you wouldn't bother me. Yeah, all right. How'd that work? When we go down the road doing 78 miles an hour, that was an act of my will. I chose that. 
I chose to disobey. But if I back it off to 70 and I set the cruise control, I choose to obey. I act my will that way. See, see, and an act of your will says, I will obey. That, that, this whole thing is summarized here in verse 17 of Romans chapter 6. But God be thanked. You're not thanking the preacher. You're not thanking the singers. God is the source of salvation. We are to thank God. And we are to thank God because it says that you, the, you were the servants of sin. I could put my name there. I was a servant of sin. I lived just for sin and what was in it for me. You could put your name there. That's where you live. But it's past tense, praise God. It's what I used to be. Because what I used to be is not what I am now and not what I'm going to be in the future. Why? Because I was a servant of sin. But now I'm a servant of my Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because He came into my life. He saved me. He born me anew. He made me a brand new creature in Christ. He gave me a new want to. He gave me a new desire. But look, but ye obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now invert that verse. That form of doctrine. The word doctrine simply means truth. You encountered truth in your mind. You heard the gospel. You heard the gospel. And from your heart, that emotion was stirred. And I have to embrace it. You obeyed. The obedience was an act of will. Right? You responded to what God had said. You responded to what Jesus did. And what happened was, He saved you from the inside out. And you became a child of God. Are you perfect No, nor am I. But I am a child of God and my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And God has promised me that He will guide me. He will direct me all through this life and He will take me on to the next life in glory with Him. But it's His promise. God be thanked because I once was a servant and a slave to sin but now I obeyed from my heart the form of doctrine, the truth of God which was given to me. Hallelujah! That's how you're born again. That's what makes you a Christian. It doesn't happen just because you walk down an aisle. It doesn't happen because you shake my hand. It doesn't happen because you get baptized. It doesn't happen because you say a prayer in vacation Bible school. It only happens when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, opens your eyes, and you understand lostness and sin, and you respond to that. And He saves you. Now, I was listening to a guy the other day and I'll think of his name here in a minute. He's really good. Anyway, who does the Israel studies? Never mind. He's preaching. He said he's in Israel giving 15-minute lessons. And I've got like 15, 16 CDs with five lessons. Never mind. He said it talks in Romans chapter 6 about the armor of God, right? And it says we've got the helmet of salvation. He said, we got a whole lot of church folks that are streakers. <laughs> now, you all remember streakers, some of you. All younger folks going, what's that? Because all we want is the helmet of salvation. We don't want the breastplate of righteousness. We don't want the belt of truth. We don't want our feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. We don't want the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we don't want to pray 
We just want to be streakers. I've never heard that before. But guys, that's not enough. It's a whole package. He says, I will save you. And, and, and see, that's what it means to be a child of God. That's what it means to respond to the gospel, to the grace of God. And, and here's what transpires. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We are born again based on the word of God. The word became flesh, Jesus Christ. We are born again based on him. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's why we start with truth. That's why truth has to penetrate your intellect, your mind, and brings you understanding. But then you've got to have that embrace. You've got to have that reckoning. Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Is Repent and believe the gospel. How are you at repenting? Do you know what it means to repent? Because to repent Repent means I'm turning from Mark, I'm turning from self, I'm turning from sin, and I'm turning to Jesus Christ. And when I repent, which is a requirement to be born again, it's the opposite side of faith. They work together hand in glove. There is a recognition of sin in my life. There is a remorse for sin in my life because it makes me sorrow because I have hurt the very feelings of God. There's a resentment of sin where I hate evil. I don't like sin. I see what sin has done in my life, to my life. And Lord, I need the removal of sin in my life. And if I can, I will make rest institution to people that I have wronged in my life. And then I'm going to rejoice because God promises he's going to save me to the uttermost. That's repentance. Where you have even a hatred of sin. And when this happens, man, the Spirit of God saves you, seals you, secures you, sets your feet on the rock, enables you. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now here's what I told those guys. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord, that's before Savior. I'm sorry, I believe in lordship salvation. You may disagree. You can't come to Jesus hanging on to your sin. That's the problem. You confess with your Lord. That means, Lord, Lord, your master, your controller. I confess with my mouth the Lord. I believe not in my head, but in my heart. Now, you understand that? There's this conviction that is stirred inside me. And I believe what? That God raised it. Why do I have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Why is that crucial for salvation? See, see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died with your sins, your punishment, your guilt upon his life. He died with mine upon his life. He died bearing my sin. Sin cannot be in the presence of holy God. God is always separated from sin. That's why when Jesus was dying on the cross, there was a separation from God the Father. When Jesus cried out, God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Because he became sin at that moment and God could not be compromised with sin. But when he died, he was buried in the grave. The sin debt was paid. And because it was paid, he got up out of the ground. He ascended on high. No more sin upon his body. My sin was paid for. Your sin was paid for. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because he is perfect. That's why you've got to believe he arose from the dead. And he ascended on high. Because the sin debt was paid. 
And that's the only way you can be saved. And it says, if you will call upon him, he will save you. So, so are you a Christian? Based on what the Bible says? Do you know that you know that you know if you die tonight, you will go to heaven? Let me ask you this. Since you have been saved, since you are a Christian, do you have a desire for the Word of God? Hmm. Yeah. Because, guys, that comes natural. A desire for the things of God. A desire for the Word of God. Do you know what that looks like? Jesus. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Let me ask you. Do you know for certain that you were to die, you would go to heaven? Have you been born again the Bible way? I'm not asking if you've made an emotional response. I'm not asking if intellectually you can tell me more about Jesus than I can tell you about Jesus. I'm asking, have you had your emotional, have you had your mental, and have you responded with a surrender of your will to Christ? Have you been... Washed in the blood of Christ. Because that's how you get saved. You say, well, preacher, that sounds like an old-fashioned message. It is. And it never changes. See, that's the starting place. is salvation. Do you know you're saved? If you don't, we can show you with an open Bible what it means to come to Christ. If you'll come. See, see, that, that, that coming part, well, what are all those people going to think about me? That's just the devil and pride working on you right now. It doesn't matter. All these people are going to think about you is we're going to pray for you. We're going to love you. But you've got to respond. You've got to respond. And maybe you're here and you know you're saved, but, man, you, you've got away from the Lord. And you need to get back where God wants you to be. See, you're saved by grace through faith. And then you keep on living by faith. You don't try to do it in your flesh. By faith every day. Every day you get up and you put off the old man and you put on the new man in Christ Jesus by an act of will of surrender. Altar's open. Maybe you're here and you just need to come pray. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart, but you need to obey him. Father, we thank you for this morning. I pray, God, that you've let your word resonate in our ears, Father. I pray, God, that you take your Holy Spirit.